welcome to the CLS Experience. I'm your host, Craig Siegel. I'm a born and raised New Yorker who achieved success with multiple businesses, but I crave something deeper. So I dedicated myself to personal growth and transformation by revamping my mindset. I went from being unable to run a mile to conquering four marathons the following year. Now, I want to help others manufacture big breakthroughs of their own. Self-confidence comes the number one way that you can do it uh, just on a daily basis is writing down wins at the end of the day. Just write down three things that you're proud of of yourself from that day and tracking those over time will lead to a lot more self-confidence in your life because so often if you're wired like I am, I'll lay down for bed and all I can think about is that one thing I regret from the day, that one time I maybe lost my temper with the kids or I said something uh, stupid to uh, one of my kids, my wife, that's what I'll dwell on and I'll forget all the good that I had built that day, all the, uh, the workouts, the the sticking to my diet, whatever it may be, I'll forget about all that and, and not um, not not be able to, to recognize that. So simply tracking your wins and writing it down is a really powerful exercise as well for self-confidence. On today's episode of the CLS Experience, we have a very special treat. He's a former pro bowler and first round draft pick who played nine years in the NFL with the iconic Buffalo Bills. He's one of the very best in the sport and is a leader in every sense of the word. He was nominated for the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award for his deep dedication to football and community. He's making a big impact on this world through speaking and serving and is the host of the phenomenal podcast, What's Next? He's a master of pivoting. He's just an overall juggernaut in all facets of life and a terrific husband and father. Please welcome the dynamic, interesting, and elite Eric Wood. How you doing, Eric? <laughs> Man, I've heard you give intros before, and, and it never gets old. I, I got to have you start traveling around with me, brother. I, I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to our time together, Craig. <laughs> I'm laughing because I, I, like I was saying before we went on air, this isn't the first time we collaborated, and the best part is, in my opinion, it's just the beginning of the friendship and relationship. But I have so much love and respect for you, brother. I'm happy I did well by you with the intro, but it's your life. You wrote it. Yeah, and uh, uh, but it's a lot easier having someone else talk about it for you. Yeah, 100%. I know it doesn't always go up in a straight line. And we're going to dive all in. We just hit a million downloads. The audience loves to get a background. But before we dive deep, we're going to have fun. We're going to get a little weird. You ready for me, Eric? Let's go. What is your superpower, brother? Man, my superpower. I, I will say this. I'm glad I've listened to this podcast before, so I was halfway prepped on this. <laughs> I always tell I always tell my daughter, especially she's six, uh, she's our oldest. I always tell her her superpower is spreading joy. And that's all we expect from her is to just spread joy. We had a conversation on the way to school this morning. It's hey, love God, love people. You spread joy, girl. That's what you do. I don't know that I'm always a professional joy spreader. I know a lot of defensive players in the NFL that would wouldn't have said I was a joy spreader on a football field. So I'll say that my superpower would be preparation. I feel like I put myself in a position consistently to show up with confidence based upon my level of preparation. Similar to me saying, and I've already listened to this podcast, so I halfway knew this conversation uh, and these, this question was coming. But when I was coming out in the draft, in 2009, I was coming out of the University of Louisville, and I ended up being a first-rounder to the Buffalo Bills. But when I was coming out in the draft, some of the draft pundits were calling me the most prepared player in the draft. And at the time, I'm being honest, I considered that an insult. Like they couldn't say I was the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, 
the most skilled. No, I was the most prepared. But now I wear that like a badge of honor because you take off the pads and you start hitting in the real world. Being the most prepared can serve you in pretty much every aspect of your life. Yeah. So on that note, I already know the episode title for this one, Preparation Breeds Confidence. I love this, brother. And for the audience, a smile on my face, ear to ear. It's so true, Eric. And it's funny because I understand why back in the day, you might not have taken that as a compliment because everyone wants to be talented or they seek validation for other reasons. But I, just like you, one thing that I could control is my effort, aka the preparation, right? And it's why I love to have these conversations like with you and, and as we were talking before when I like with Ed and so forth, because I love to do the homework because it builds rapport and it really enables us to get deep. But even even other things in life. Like I, I haven't always been super talented in different arenas, like running marathons and so forth, but my preparation was there. And as a result, I've been able to overachieve. And, and for the audience listening, like that's so valuable. People ask like, how do you develop confidence? Well, as Eric just said, like by preparing, right? And then you link preparation to confidence because you know you did the work. So now when you go to step into any arena, you're confident because you prepared, right, Eric? Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, we used to wear these shirts in college and it would say, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So yes, having a certain amount of talent and God-given ability will take you so far. And then it becomes how much work are you willing to put in while the work on the front end is that preparation that leads to confidence. And uh, self-confidence is the number one indicator of success. I had uh, Jason Self, one of the top performance coaches in the world on my podcast, and we've connected a lot. And as I've gotten into this world of just trying to inspire others through my words, through my actions, I've I often speak on self-confidence, and I believe it comes from preparation. And it's the old John Wooden, if you fail to prepare, you're preparing to fail. And you're setting yourself yourself up for failure because, in my opinion, I, I just don't feel comfortable in those situations if I don't show up with without a certain level of preparation. And so I feel like to be able to show up and have that number one indicator of success, that self-confidence that I need to come in prepared to any situation. And on an interesting note, Jason Selk will also say that self-confidence comes the number one way that you can do it uh, just on a daily basis is writing down wins at the end of the day. Just write down three things that you're proud of of yourself from that day and tracking those over time will lead to a lot more self-confidence in your life because so often if you're wired like I am, I'll lay down for bed and all I can think about is that one thing I regret from the day, that one time I maybe lost my temper with the kids or I said something uh, stupid to uh, one of my kids, my wife. That's what I'll dwell on and I'll forget all the good that I had built that day, all the the workouts, the, the the sticking to my diet, whatever it may be, I'll forget about all that and, and not um, not not be able to, to recognize that. So simply tracking your wins and writing it down is a really powerful exercise as well for self-confidence. Audience, run that back, grab a pen, grab a journal. Eric's got nuggets saying, and I tell you what, I'm going to take you up on that, brother, because something that I need to get better at, if I'm being you know, fully transparent, is celebrating small wins and milestones, right? Because guys like you and I, like we're wired, we really want success and we're so driven and focused, but sometimes it's not about the home runs or the touchdowns, right? it's about the first downs, the second down, so forth, and no stack. So tonight before I go to bed, I'm personally going to write down a lot of my wins for the day. The top of the list will be this conversation with you. 
My man, I appreciate that. Yeah, hell yeah. What's something weird about you that a lot of people probably would not know? So, I mean, if you ask my <laughs> wife, there's probably a lot of weird things. I mean, I, I'm anal about a lot of things in my life, like, um, but I'm not necessarily like the cleanest or most organized, but I like it like that. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'll pay to get it done and I'll get an organizer, but, um, I don't want to sound too much like the last, uh, NFL player guest that you had on in Merrill Hodge, but <laughs> he talked about his job. He was also a guest on my podcast as well back great in the day, guy. but, but Merrill's great, phenomenal person. But when I was in high school, I worked at a cemetery. So, um, a lot of good, interesting stories from uh, time spent cutting grass with your buddies at a cemetery for 40 hours a week. <laughs> that's all, That's definitely something that I don't think a lot of people would know, but appreciate you pulling back the lid and getting vulnerable with us. This one I'm super excited to ask, Eric, because you're the master of pivoting. You've had so many different chapters, or as I like to say, so many different seasons, success in different areas. Right now, what makes you feel most alive? Hmm. Well, we were talking about Ed Milet before, and when I was um, talking to Ed Milet originally, he told me, transitioning out of football, I need to find moments that give me butterflies. Because he said, you're never going to replicate running out of a tunnel again, but preparing for a big podcast, a speaking engagement, a big financial meeting, a business venture, whatever it may be, find things that give you butterflies. So... For me, those look like prepping for podcasts, speaking engagements, like I mentioned. Um, it might be a, a broadcast, a sporting event that I'm prepping for. Those things um, are, are, are exciting to me at this point in my life. Yeah, beautifully said, brother. So beautifully articulated. And I agree with Ed and I agree with you. And for the audience listening, like, spoiler alert, life has adversity. There's redirections. Right. There's pivoting and so forth. And so they don't it's not always apples to apples. We can find joy in other situations and chase those scenarios that do bring you joy and look forward to them. Love that you touch upon that. This is the last weird one. And then we'll dive into a little backstory. I can't wait to ask you this one personally because I've had some of the most successful people on planet Earth on the show. And every time I ask this one, I get a different answer. And I'm so curious to hear yours. What is your definition of success? That's that's a great that's a great question. And at the bottom of my stationery where I write my handwritten notes, it's a Jackie Robinson quote, and it says, uh, "Life is not important except for in the impact you have on others' lives." And so, for me, successful people are making a positive impact out there on others' lives. And I'll expand on that for uh, further. To me personally, when I look. At successful people, and I would call them successful, they're generally successful and, and they've had wins, I'll say, to not keep in using the word success. They've had wins in all buckets of life and they continue to win in all buckets of life. So I'll call those buckets financial, professional, emotional, relational, and spiritual. They're successful and they're well-rounded. To me, successful people aren't necessarily just the ones that have a ton of money. And, and vice versa, it would, hard, it would be hard to say that someone is going to have major influence on a lot of people um, 
and make a large impact if you don't have success in some of the other areas of life, if you just had success in one area. So to me, that's what I'm striving for is I don't want to achieve a certain level of financial success success, and then not have all those other buckets filled because eventually if they're not all filled, your world's going to come crashing down from a lack in one of those specific areas. Amen, brother. So true. And like, as I personally found out, being on Wall Street for the last 11 years before I kind of pivoted into CLS is that making money doesn't necessarily equal success by any means, right? You have to feed your soul to an extent and do what makes you happy, be around people that make you happy in the relationship. Hopefully you have a rock solid relationship and so forth. So I love that you said that. I don't think I've ever heard someone give a response just like that, but it's, it's being well balanced, right? Like, and like, and how many rich people do we know, honestly, if we're being straight up, that are absolutely miserable? Yeah, tons. And tons. I mean, um, wealthy people, celebrities, former athletes. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to speak out of turn and say they have the highest suicide rates, but one of the highest suicide rates out there. And and a lot of it's from they just spend their whole life just trying to chase the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And a lot of times that's financial or career based. And when you're not well rounded in those other buckets, that's when it's all going to come crashing down. Yeah. That's where we drop the mic right there. This is awesome. This is gold. Everything you say is just riveting, brother. What was that? That's right. I can hear your thoughts. Have no fear. I'm going to tell you exactly where you can get weekly access to the CLS experience live in action. Dropping gems, nuggets, trainings, special celebrity and business mogul guest speakers and maximum energy. We just launched the CLS membership. We have weekly Zooms with like-minded, growth-oriented juggernauts, networking and absorbing all the wisdom via weekly Zooms. Head to CultivateLastingSymphony.com and then bang, enter your new network today. Let's grow together, you dig? We're going to jump around a little bit. And like I said, the, the audience loves to kind of get a feel for, for the beginning years. You grew up in Ohio or you were born there? Yeah, grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. Are you a Bengals fan? I grew up a Bengals fan, but uh, as soon as I got into the NFL, <laughs> I played nine years for the Bills, only for the Bills. You lose your allegiance to other teams. And then even now, like I would, I would root for the Bengals just because it's good for the city. My family still lives there. But like I'm generally just rooting for buddies on other. Now I still work for the Bills, and so I actively root for them. But beyond that, it's it's simply, hey, does this help the Bills make the playoffs and move further along? And then it's just former coaches, buddies of mine in the league, because man, blood and friendship is so much thicker than just you know a, a fandom, a, a just being a casual fan. I'll say, hundred percent, yeah. I, I, definitely understandable. And I've had some of the other NFL players on the show and they said similar things. Like they grew up with one team and they got drafted somewhere else and the, the allegiance just changes just like that. So yeah. Clear. And there, there was almost a point of bitterness too, because the Bengals stunk <laughs> my whole life. And then I get in the NFL and they make the playoffs like six or six out of the first seven or eight out of the first nine years as I'm in the NFL. So they stunk for so long and then they come in and I get in the league and then the Bengals are all of a sudden good. So there was, almost at times even a bitterness around it which team was that was that with Carson Palmer 
That was Carson Palmer into, <laughs> into into Andy Dalton and all that. But yeah. but like this, like for instance, when Marvin Lewis was there, Marvin Lewis always treated me and my family so well. Um, I was down at the Senior Bowl with him. And he always treated me so well that I always rooted for Marvin Lewis. Yeah. Great guy. I love this, brother. Is it true that you were considering playing basketball and then you gained 50 pounds and you went right to football? Yeah, I mean, when I say I consider playing basketball, I would have loved to play basketball in college. <laughs> but that that option and that that door closed. My between my junior and senior year, I went from six four two hundred pounds to six four two hundred fifty pounds. I went from a backup tight end to an offensive line, and it wasn't even until after my senior season that I received one scholarship offer, only one, to the University of Louisville, which I'm forever indebted. That's why I rock the Cardinal gear behind me in my background and always have a ton of allegiance because they changed my life. Jeff Brom, the head coach of Purdue, he's the one who recruited me. He gave me my scholarship. His brother, Brian, was one of my groomsmen at my wedding. Coach Petrino was the head coach at the time. Those guys truly changed my life by offering me that one scholarship. Yeah, love this, buddy. Thank you for getting so deep. And then you have a successful college career. And ultimately, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but ultimately you get drafted in the first round the NFL, right? What was that moment like for you guys, for you and your family? Yeah, so I went to the University of Louisville, started 49 straight games there, freshman year on, and then um, ended up being drafted as the number one guard in the draft. I never played guard in my life, and then I would eventually (laughs) transition back to center uh, after about a year and a half in the league. But being a first-round draft pick, was absolutely incredible. In my office, I have that number one jersey hanging up. It's one of the most proud accomplishments that that I've ever had in my life. And I'll tell you what, I made freshman All-American at Louisville. And prior to then, me and my high school buddies used to joke, if I could make the Bengals practice squad, I could make $80,000 a year. I could go get a job in the offseason, and I could probably make over $100,000. That's where my mindset was, and that's kind of the ceiling that I had placed on myself. But when you make the freshman All-American team, they, they used to send you this letter. I'm not sure if they still do, but I still have it to this day. And it said that 70% of the guys on the freshman All-American team will get drafted, and then X amount will be first round draft picks and I thought man I have a shot at being a first round draft pick and so I became obsessed with it in my locker I had this cutout from a magazine that talked all about the prototype center and it was a diagram and it was the prototype center would be 6'4 310 pounds run this 40 day (laughs) run this 40 time at the combine uh, do this amount of 225 reps on the bench press at the combine what's amazing I stared at that almost every single day Craig, when I went to the NFL Combine, I was six foot four on the dot. I was three hundred and ten pounds on the dot. I ran a five one forty, which what it was the ideal uh, speed was. I did exactly thirty reps at two twenty five, which is what it said on that paper. Oh, it's amazing time. what you fill your mind with how it will show up in your life. And at that time, that's just lucky. That wasn't me uh, on some Joe Dispenza stuff that I would be <laughs> on now. That was me at the time just being obsessed with it. And I tell these college kids all the time, and this applies to any sector you're in out there, the most, the elite ones are obsessed with their craft. And I know obsessed can be kind of a derogatory yep. word in some senses, But if you want to be great at something, if you want to be the equivalent of a first-rounder in football to whatever your industry is, you want to get the national sales awards, you want to be uh, the top of your field, you got to be obsessed with your craft. 
hundred percent. And I love that you're making it sound normal because for the audience listening, like newsflash, if you really want to do something epic, leave a mark on this world, put a dent in the universe. This is what it takes. There's a price to win in life. And if you don't, if you want to just half ass stuff and get mediocre results, that's okay too. If that's what you want. Right. But, but if you want some big time results and to really do something special, you got to be obsessed. And I love the way you are too. I'm obsessed, brother. I, I think it's a good trait. It's a trait of all the greats, as long as they're healthy obsessions, of course. No doubt about it. And I can tell that about you. And I know that's why we connected so well right from the jump. But like, I'm obsessed with being a good dad and husband. I read books about that. I go to couples Bible study with my wife. I commit to a regular date night with her once a week. I take my kids on their own special date times. I'm committed to taking them on one-on-one trips in the future. We just went to Disney World last week, right in the middle of broadcast season, which makes no sense for me. But we did it because I'm obsessed with being a good dad and husband. I'm obsessed with trying to make an impact on others and trying to use the platform and gifts God's given me to make an impact out there. That's where I'm at at this stage of my life, whether that's a podcast, maybe writing a book down the road, uh, speaking engagements. I'm obsessed with that. And that's that's okay. I, I'm, I'm obsessed with working out and I needed to lose weight post playing football. All those things, um, you're right. There are great healthy obsessions out there now. Obsessing over comparing yourself to others, obsessing with no. social media likes, those can be really dangerous. And and honestly, you know, we're about the same age. I, I'm in fear for this next generation that grew up. Like I cannot imagine growing up in junior high and high school with social media the way it is now. Bro. Because, you know, we all go through that adolescent stage and then you get into maturity and we all hit that uncomfortable stage well i'm just assuming i would have been obsessed with this i call it this likes culture that we're in right now i probably would have been the same way and i I just fear for what that can do for them long term it's so true yeah a lot of people they're seeking validation in the wrong areas right now i know guys like you like me like our mutual friend we seek validation by contributing right by by someone letting you know that, that you made an impact on their life um, but it's so true what you said in regards to social media. So many gems there, but just so many nuggets. I appreciate all this. Another obsession that you have, correct me if I'm wrong, a very healthy one is giving back to the community. Yeah, no doubt about it. So you mentioned in the intro that I was uh, Walter Payton nominee for the Bills and the Walter Payton Man of the Year uh, nominations for each team just got announced. And what an honor. I listened to Jason Kelsey talking a press conference about it. Check it out if you haven't seen that and really broke down. And, and because it does mean a lot because there's so many worthy candidates on an NFL team when you're voted by your peers to be the nomination for the the ultimate award in the NFL it's it's truly unbelievable i mean super bowl mvp that's incredible mvp of the league that's absolutely incredible and maybe you make more money that way but you want to talk about being the best man in the league the winner of that each year what an incredible honor so um my little brother, he passed when he was 11 years old. He had severe cerebral palsy. And so um, I started a foundation in Buffalo where we would try to create excellent, uh, amazing experiences, financial support for families that had sick children. And I always say, I have so much sympathy for these families, especially the ones with extreme financial struggle, only because 
they had a sick child. Like they did nothing wrong, but now they can't pay their bills. So to be able to take some of that financial stress away from them um, meant a lot to me. And because of that, um, I, I was recognized for that. And I actually just this year renamed it the Evan Wood Foundation after my brother because, look, I call games still up there. I'll have a name and I'll make an impact on that community just by being around and because I played ball. Now my brother, who never got to walk, talk, or breathe on his own, he gets to make an impact on Buffalo, New York, which is a community that means a ton to me. So beautiful, brother. And I want to acknowledge you for that. Like kudos to you. And I know how much you give back and, and for your brother and so forth. And you already have a legacy and you're going to continue to build one and so forth. But to, to allow him to have that impact, it's just amazing. And also what you touch upon there, like a Super Bowl MVP or, or MVP of the year, that's great stuff. Those are athletic achievements, but man of the year, that's, that's powerful. That's integrity. That, that means you made an impact and you gave back and you were selfless for the community. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. No doubt about it. And, uh, man, I had a restaurant tycoon, a guy named Jeff Ruby came on my podcast, and he said, you should always give back to the communities that gave you wealth. Like, if you are a self-made man, a community gave you that wealth. Now, it might be national community if you're super big time. For me, that community was Buffalo, New York, so I will always continue to pour back into that community because when they went to the games and bought tickets and bought jerseys, Bob Beers in Buffalo, New York, come on. <laughs> that contributed to us being able to live a lifestyle now that I could have never dreamed of. Yeah, beautifully said. And because you're such a master pivoting, we're going to pivot for a second. Your NFL career at the time was cut short. Um, but two things that, that really stick out to me about the situation was your attitude once you found out about this. Um, and I w- I'm curious, I'd like you to dive in a little bit about your faith. And if that played a role in your attitude and then also being able to transition after that and be so successful in a completely different dream, so to speak, where most people, I think, sadly, find that very challenging. Yeah, so I'll give a little bit of context. My last year in the NFL was 2017. Prior to the season, everyone in the league thought the Bills were tanking. We just got a new coaching staff, a new GM. We traded away our last three top draft picks, which for those casual football fans or non-football fans, that is a recipe for disaster. That's how you build <laughs> that's how you build an organization is through your early round picks. We just traded them away. Well, you know what? I said I cannot let the Bills, even if it's not this year, I cannot let them win um, this division. I can't let them go to the playoffs and me not be a part of it. <clears throat> At the time we were playing in the longest playoff drought in all of professional sports in Buffalo. It had been 17 years. That's crazy. And that and that organization was used to success prior to that so I signed a contract extension before the season I'm the only player on the team to play every single snap one of the only players in the entire NFL because you can miss a snap by your shoe coming off you get dinged up a little bit you could be beating a team too bad you could be losing too bad Regardless, I was one of only a few players in the NFL to play every single snap that year. We break the playoff drought, um, make the playoffs that season, and while I'm attempting to get cleared for the Pro Bowl and drive home to see my son be born, a couple days later, they instructed that I get an MRI on my neck because I had a little bit of neck issues that year, but my high school buddies got stingers. Like I wasn't that concerned with stingers, and for those unfamiliar out there, it's a numbness, tingling sensation after you get hit in the head or neck area, and it'll go to one of your extremities. For me, it was my right arm, which as the center 
led to some interesting uh, pre-snap trying to get that feeling back. Make sure you give an accurate snap. But two days later, I find out in the hospital room that there's disc and bone sitting in my spinal cord at C2, C3, and that no matter what, even with surgery, my career is over. I mean, we were making plans to get a two-week-old to the Pro Bowl, and now my career is over. I had just signed a contract extension. We broke the playoff drought. We did what we were supposed to do. Now we're going to be building, and you see the success of the Bills now, and I think, man, I should be a part of this run. But you know what? You asked about my faith, and I absolutely – I was so glad that I had the faith that I had – that I have in that moment because in the Bible in Matthew 25, I believe Matthew seven twenty five talks about um, having a foundation built on rock and that when the storms blow, your house will not come down. If you have a foundation built on rock, well, my foundation was built on my faith and that allowed me to be able to transition. And I would be lying if I sat here right now and said it was all sunshine, sunshine and rainbows because it still isn't to this day. To this day, I still miss playing ball. I still miss being out there. I still feel cheated at times when I see these guys, and this is me being super vulnerable, when I see these guys sign these monster deals and I think about what I could be making now, that, that eats at you a little bit. You feel like, man, I, I appreciated it. I put everything I had. Why do some of these guys who cheated the game almost by their lack of preparation, why do they get to keep playing? All that being said, I was so glad to have the support system I had around me, a loving family, incredible friends. I had started working with an executive coach just six months prior to getting this news for the first time in my life. So I had someone that uh, at times acts like a therapist and other times the accountability partner that I pay him to be. And then also <laughs> you only uh, that. Yeah, my spiritual circle with uh, my men's group at church, my couple's Bible study, uh, my faith in the Lord. So all that allowed me to transition as gracefully as I could. Yeah, beautifully said, brother. And I acknowledge you for your faith. And interestingly enough, um, it's something that I've really strengthened over the last few years, even specifically the last four months. I'm not sure if I told you, um, but I was at a big speaking engagement and I got injured and it turns out it was misdiagnosed. It was actually a tumor in my foot. Um, but just like you, and of course, not the same, um, but b- based upon my strength and my faith. And so I just knew that somehow, some way by identifying that tumor, it was propelling me to something greater and that I would be grateful for the situation. So early diagnosis, got rid of it. It was benign and still ended up running the New York City Marathon a few weeks back and just so grateful for, for the whole situation. Um, and, and yeah, like for the audience listening, of course, we don't want to tell you like what to do, but having a, a belief or a faith in something that's bigger than us, it gives us confidence when, when we get into adversity as life will bring, right? Oh, it, it absolutely does. And um, I would cling to Jeremiah twenty nine eleven for I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, not harm you, to give you hope in the future. That would give me the hope in those dark moments that God's got a plan in all of this. And I know that he has my greater good at heart and that there's going to be great things that come from this. And for those that aren't spiritual out there, uh, it'd be hard for you to grasp this, but simply by memorizing scripture, you are going to fill your mind with incredible things that are going to show up in your life. That That's biblical. Buddha talks about, you know, <laughs> you, you become your thoughts. I mean, whatever, wherever you sit. Um, but for me, memorizing scripture has been so powerful for me. And, and I didn't grow up, um, 
uh, with a relationship with Christ. I, I grew up as a Catholic and I went to Catholic schools. We went to church every now and then, not very often. And then it wasn't until college where I got introduced to what a relationship with Christ could look like from our FCA director at the University of Louisville, who remains an extremely close friend of mine. And I serve on their board now. But to me, that's when I realized what a relationship with Christ could look like. And you say, um, you know, yours has strengthened over the years. And I'm assuming it's likely, you know, you're in that Wall Street world and, and you're not necessarily in the Bible belt up there, but there's so many people on Wall Street that would tell you eventually, eventually everyone kind of realizes you have a God-sized hole in your heart and you're always going to feel like there's just a little something missing until you finally give it a shot and you humble yourself to understand that maybe there's something more out there. Let me give this a shot. And I always recommend people start with the book Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. If you read that and decide I'm not even willing to give this a shot, the power to you and you can move on. Yeah, beautifully said. And you're not wrong. And what you just said in regards to all the Wall Street stuff, it's so true, brother. Uh, and for the audience listening, like just dabble a little bit with the spirituality. J- just see how it feels and obviously go from there. But once you like get acclimated to it, it just opens everything up in the world and the seas begin to part. And it's interesting because a topic that I've been diving really deep into lately, specifically when I didn't have the physical training for the marathon, is all this quantum stuff, law of attraction, energy fields, frequencies. And Ed and I were talking about it a lot too. And earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that when you're reading the prototype, it just so happens when you went to the combine, it was like literally like number for number in terms of weight, what you ran, all that's of the height, uh, maybe coincidence, maybe not. What are your thoughts on like the quantum field, the law of attraction and all that energy stuff? I'm into it. I mentioned Joe Dispenza earlier. I'm into all that stuff. And, you know, I I just feel like your energy is going to attract others with the same type of energy um, and that the law of attraction is 100% real. What you think about, what you fill your mind with is what you'll become. Um, I'm, And this is kind of on a different um, wavelength here, but surrounding yourself with the right people and becoming like those people, you start to make money like those people, whether that's positive or negative. You start to either... Uh, health and fitness wise adapt to them and and I truly believe in all that and then I 100% believe in the power of creating a vision and personal identity statements and so you know personal identity statement recite something in the morning that you want to become speak your I am statements into you what you truly are and then create a vision and put it out there for yourself and and when you kind of obsess over that vision it's amazing that the right things in your life will appear to get you there and that's that's not anti-biblical as we talked about earlier the bible says as a man thinketh so he becomes and so it's 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 not unbiblical to then tap into science at some point beautifully said brother we couldn't be more aligned if we try this is awesome and i agree 100 percent like you can't hit a target you can't see Right. So for the audience listening out there, like if you take one thing, obviously you're going to get numerous, but have a vision, have some sort of agenda or the power of intention, have something that you'd like to accomplish in the law of attraction. The universe will help you go there. But a lot of people that are lost in the wilderness with no compass, they don't have intention. They just kind of, you know, going like this on, on a hamster wheel, so to speak. Such beautifully said. I'm so curious. You said earlier on in the conversation when you were getting ready for the draft or a little bit before that, 
you had hoped to possibly be able to make 80 grand a year, work, work, you know, a different job also to keep up with it. Obviously your paradigms changed at some point uh, and it's all relative, right? But like, how did they change? And for the audience listening, like how important is that to be able to change your perspective on what's possible for you so you can even think bigger in life? Man, it's amazing on my podcast how many times someone comes on and I ask them, you know, who inspired you to be able to have the confidence to go to L.A. to be an actor or to move to Nashville to be a singer or to be a professional athlete? And there's generally a coach, a talent, uh, someone, a parent, whoever it may be, someone will speak some words of confidence into you to kind of take that glass ceiling off of you so that you can truly reach your heights. And, and I feel so terrible for all those out there that were never given that because so many of us, our mindset and where we, our belief system was created for us when we were young. And then we we're never there. No one ever spoke confidence into you and no one ever taught you that you don't have to limit yourself to that. The monks say, give me a child for the first seven years of their life and I'll show you their entire future. Now, that can be adjusted and it's going to take some intentionality. It might take some intervention from someone else to be able to speak that confidence into you. But for me, I mentioned earlier, for me, it was that letter that I received when I made that freshman All-American team. As silly as it was, that took off that glass ceiling. And then the next year, after my redshirt sophomore year, I got news that I could leave for the draft if I wanted, and they projected that I'd be a third-round picker earlier. Well, I, I elected to come back because my goals became bigger than that, but it was continually people kind of telling me and speaking into the fact like, no, no, you're better than that. No, you're greater than that. No, you don't have to limit yourself in this moment. And so I, I, I hope and pray that if, if you've never had that done for you, take that off yourself now and then think about how powerful your words are when you speak them because you can change others' lives by simply speaking confidence into them. And it may be your spouse. It may be telling them that they're doing an incredible job around the house with the kids and just speaking confidence into them, giving them more contentment, more peace on their day-to-day life. Whatever it looks like to you, just understand that, especially your children, you can speak confidence into them and you could take their perspective, their paradigm. You could shift that to allow them to reach new levels. This is gripping. <laughs> I'm laughing because I love you, buddy. The only negative we got going on is we don't have 10 hours for this, but we're going to run it back next week on your show. There's just no so doubt. many gems for the audience. The guys, like guys and girls, it, just listen, grab a journal. Like there's so many nuggets that we're talking about here, like real life lessons and, and so forth. And it's so true. The language that you speak to yourself or others can, can really bring someone up or maybe even the opposite. Uh, and it's so true. Like when you're young or sp- specifically like, I love my parents to death. I would do anything for them, but they didn't necessarily instill in me from an early age. Like you can do anything you want. You could, you know, like I love the movie, the greatest showman where PT Barnum's talks about like the only limitations that you have are those in your imagination that always stuck out with me. And, and it's so true. Like once you realize that the earlier, the better, of course. Um, but, but anytime you realize that in life, there's literally nothing that we can't do. If you put yourself in that frequency and obviously preparation doesn't hurt also. This is awesome, brother. Just straight up. I want to acknowledge you for something. You pivoted. You told us a story about your football career being cut short. You pivoted and you weren't afraid to be a beginner in a whole new arena, so to speak. And one of the things that I really like about you is you're extremely coachable and you don't, you view, you view feedback as neutral. It's not positive. It's not negative. It's just 
how can I get better? I think a lot of people, their ego gets in the way of that. How important is it for everyone else and also for you to be coachable um, and to embrace feedback? Man, coming from the NFL, coaching and feedback was just so natural. It just happened every single day. Everything you did in a practice, everything you did on game, that was all analyzed. Just You might have five people analyzing your position on one play and you get all of that feedback well then you transition out into the real world and then all of a sudden you start getting none i did broadcasting i was with um i've called games for fox cbs i was with espn for two years and then i'm a part of the bills radio broadcast now as their color guy well i realized no one's giving you feedback in that world unless you ask for it (laughs) unless you hire some someone for that which i did I talked about how I still work with the same executive coach that I hired six months prior to my career ending because I'm a, I'm, I'm addicted to try to, uh, I'm obsessed with personal development to just keep getting better. And, and, And those are, those a lot of times look like very baby steps in my life, which is fine by me, but I just want to continue to use the gifts God's given me and to continue to make myself better for my family, for my friends, for those around me, for this world. So that being said, feedback becomes extremely important because often we're all living with these blind spots in our life. And so we might not know that we're sabotaging ourselves in some way, shape or form. And where, you know, I might be stepping six inches on a play with my right foot and I really needed 12 inches on a play. A coach that's more experienced can give me that knowledge to help propel my game. There might be aspects in my life now where they may say, hey, start charting your time for a week because you might not truly be spending as much time on the things that you say matter to you most as you think. And so that's feedback that if I'm not aware of that, I might I might not be able to get there, and I'm, I'm all for hiring that out if you can. If you can't afford it, find an accountability partner. Find someone in your life that cares about you enough to want to kind of do life with you, and you can check in with each other weekly. I have two guys that every Tuesday, a reminder of my phone goes off, where I shoot them a text and ask them what they're up to as far as maybe goals or things they want to be held accountable to, and they do the exact same for me. I just think there's tremendous power in that. And then I also subscribe to the fact that people that are further along in life than you, a lot of times they're going to be more generous with their time and wisdom than you think. And if you can avoid some of the landmines that they might have stepped on along the way and they can give you that advice, you can really speed up the process of trying to be successful in all buckets of life. So it might be someone in the health and fitness journey that's already lost a bunch of weight, but maybe they screwed some stuff up. Maybe someone's made a lot of money. Maybe someone is what you consider this unbelievable parent well it probably wasn't all wins for them let them share some things that maybe they didn't do and then my last thing on this will be just be careful of who you get that feedback from and the only reason i say that is especially as a former pro athlete there's a lot of people online that would just love to pick me apart after a game well these aren't our coaches these guys don't pay my bills these guys aren't experts so why would i care if they're critiquing me, like I can't let that invade my headspace. And so don't let your headspace be affected by feedback from anyone on social media or anyone you wouldn't consider a friend or look up to in any type of way. Yup, you're exactly right. I can't do this all by myself. CLS Empire has delegated to a team, more specifically, virtual assistants, Virtue Desk has become one of the leading companies in their virtual assistance industry. 
They've worked with hundreds of businesses and entrepreneurs to triple their productivity and income by partnering them with highly qualified virtual assistants or VAs at very affordable rates. Find out by scheduling a discovery call on their website, myvirtuedesk.com. You know me, I'm very intentional and deliberate who we collaborate with. Virtue Desk is on fire, they're reliable, and in my personal opinion, they have the best virtual assistants on planet Earth. Thank me later, you dig. So many nuggets, brother. You're on fire. You can't be stopped. Number one, I'd love to participate or get involved in your accountability sessions on Tuesdays. I'd love to contribute to that because I think, yeah, that's so powerful. Everybody should have that, um, have people that they look up to that can hold them accountable and then also give it back. Make sure that your counterpart is doing what they say they're going to do also because that builds self-trust. And then also like in regards to haters, absolutely. Like make sure you understand who the feedback's coming from. You can't throw stones at every dog that barks. Some people just aren't credible, like especially on social media, right? Like the more of an impact you make, the more eyeballs that are on you, you can't listen to everything. A lot of it, it's not even real people. Sometimes they're just a robot, whatever the case may be. But you talk about like mentorship and, and coaching. And I love that you're so big on that because it's so true. Like we listen, like there's no problem that's really new, right? This day and age, like everything has already happened. Someone's dealt with something for the most part. So get wisdom, get advice, get experience. Like if you don't seek out mentorship or experience or someone that's done something that can give valuable knowledge to you, like the jokes on us. And to be honest with you, if we're being super vulnerable, which I know we are, it's something that I wish I did a little bit earlier in life is to seek out support and mentorship. I used to have this attitude where I could do everything myself. I know I can't. And now I am, I will always have a mentor um, in every season of my life in some capacity, because I always want to be able to get better. Uh, and also like you cut the line a little bit, like you mentioned, like you don't have to step on those landmines because this person did that and they're going to help you prevent that. So just so much gold and so many gems here, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll say one more thing. Every year since my career has ended, I've created an advisory board of four to six people, men and women, that I would literally unveil everything I got going in my life and just let them pick it apart. And it's there. these are just all men and women that I have a tremendous amount of respect for, all of them older and all of them just a little bit further along in their journey than me. Actually, I think the first one that was ever younger than me was this year. It was David Nurse was on there. But this year okay. was John Gordon, David Nurse, Ben Newman, and Ed Milet. Well, those guys are all further along in this speaking, coaching, writing, podcasting world. Okay, here's what I got going on in my life all the way down to family and everything else because if those guys weren't good husbands and dads and they you know didn't have some type of spiritual sense to them emotional health then I then I wouldn't necessarily want to take their feedback but all those guys are so well rounded and those were all just pretty much cold ass by me we had some prior relationship but not close buddies for those listening out there, an advisor board that that can then hold you accountable to the things that they give you, that can be extremely powerful in your life. Uh, and maybe I shouldn't use them as an example because people would say, well, I got to find those types of people. A lot of these people were financial advisors, uh, CPA, um, the athletic director at the University of Louisville. You can find people in your circle that can can play that role for you as well. 
hundred percent. I love this brother. And for the audience, yes. Like find an advisory board. It doesn't have to be um, the, the biggest celebrities on the planet. It could be people around your circle, just people that can hold you accountable and provide some unbiased knowledge, wisdom, and experience. That's what it's all about. Uh, and, and continuing to build upon that. And then also at some point, you'll be the one giving it back to, to the younger generation and so forth, Eric. So, so this is awesome. You touch upon a lot in this conversation about what you're up to now, but let's be a little more specific. Like how can the audience support you? What exactly, what are all the exciting things that you have going on now besides broadcasting, like with the speaking and the podcasting, all that stuff? Yeah, so during the fall right now, um, I'm just doing the Bills radio broadcast, which is a lot of fun. It keeps me around the game. I mentioned I wasn't ready to give it up. So being in broadcasting helps me stay around the game, but I also don't have to work the amount of hours that the coaches and front office people do. So I still do that. It's fun to be involved with the Bills. I have my podcast. It's called What's Next with Eric Wood. And it's kind of been my journey of figuring out what's next in my life, which is now becoming, okay, now let's all make our what's next in life are best yet and me and my wife are always talking each year has been better than the last it's it's truly unbelievable um some of that might be just through gratitude practices or whatever and being aware of what's all going around us but i truly feel like each year has gotten better than the last so um the what's next with eric wood um on social media i'm on instagram and twitter at ewood 70 and then maybe a book coming down the line and then and by uh, maybe you mean definitely yeah (laughs) and then speaking wise it's been a ton of fun for me to just be able to kind of blend my playing experience lessons i learned from football and then the wealth of knowledge that i've been given through my podcast mainly of people coming on and pouring into me and being able to share that with others and kind of making that connection between business and sports having some fun with people that's been a ton of fun for me and then this year i was working with the university of louisville football team on some performance coaching so a lot of one-on-one work with their guys and what i tell them is i just want to teach you which what i wish i knew at your age that's all i'm trying to do and i always uh, i've heard it said you're most powerfully powerfully suited to serve those in a position you once were and so for me i, I was in all their seats so i love serving those in a position i once was I love all this, brother. And I'm also stepping into the speaking lane now. We've got a, a lot of speaking opportunities booked. And, and to be honest with you, like if I'm answering my own question, that's where I feel most alive is with the mic in the hand and being able to make a huge impact in a big room. What's the best suggestion or advice you can give to, to even generate more speaking opportunities? Well, um, I, feel like the, I feel like as I've done more of my podcasts, that's when I've gotten more speaking opportunities. Someone will say, man, this really hit me. Would you speak that into my company? Hey, I heard you talk about this. And really, the more solo podcasts I've done, which you talk about, you feel most alive with a microphone in your hand. I do too. But man, I can get imposter syndrome at times. Like, well, who am I to sit on this stage? I love the um, interview format of a podcast. And and let me let me be clear on this. Just because my I could sweat through a jacket on stage because I feel a little <laughs> bit nervous doesn't mean I don't love it because I do love and crave those moments. I love preparing for those moments too. And, and so uh, even if I do have a bit of imposter syndrome, I heard someone say, if you don't have imposter syndrome in life, you're not doing it right because you should be stepping into areas that you're uncomfortable or else you're never truly going to live. That being said, um, I should probably be asking you for advice, but my advice for you would be keep doing what you're doing. Keep aligning yourself with the guys that you're aligning yourself. When we first connected and you were David Meltzer, 
Boom. That's all I need to see. When you connect yourself with guys like David, we talked about Ed Milet earlier, you start connecting with those guys and keep connecting with those types of people, those opportunities are just going to roll in. 100%. Uh, thank you so much, brother, for all that acknowledgement. And the best part about this going on right now, this dynamic, it's just the beginning of the friendship. And I can't wait to share a stage with you. So I'm going to put that intention out there to the universe. How can I personally support you, brother? Shoot, you're already doing it right now. You're coming on my podcast. For all those listening out there, if you could subscribe to my podcast, share, rate it. If you like it, give it a shot. Uh, Right now, I'm doing a deal called Separation Season, and I piggybacked an Ed Milet uh, deal I heard when I was transitioning out of the league when he talked about so many people between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day just get completely out of the process. And so, no, we don't need to live like robots. You know, the longest people on earth are generally those with the strongest relationships. So cherish your relationships during this time, this holiday season. But for me, Craig, I'll just tell you this real quick. My first year out of the NFL, I'd never understood what people would say about, oh, I put on 10 pounds during the holidays. I'm like, how do you put on 10 pounds during the holidays? It's only a few meals. You know, Thanksgiving, (laughs) Christmas, go out on New Year's Eve. Maybe you celebrate on Christmas Eve too. Like, how do you put on 10 pounds or 15 pounds? Well, I realized from the day before Thanksgiving until New Year's Day, and probably including New Year's Day now with all the football on, there's something to do almost every single night. There's a holiday party for work. There's um, a Thanksgiving deal. There's a bowl game. There's a college basketball game. There's something going on almost every single day to where my first year out of the league, I was like, man, I need to go. I did no cheat meals, no drinking, no nothing for 30 days once the New Year hit because I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm doing a deal right now, five weeks in a row of solo podcasts as well as uh, our guest interviews where – I'm giving pieces of advice, whether it's forming habits, defining separation season. And that's, you know, for me, separation season does not mean a big old comparison to whoever you compare yourself to in life. That's not it. It's to separate yourself during this time from maybe what you have done in the past during this holiday season, where you've completely let everything go out the window to make your 2022 your best year yet. <laughs> I love you, buddy, so much. I've been going crazy, like in my membership and my mastermind, screaming at people respectfully that 2022 is now. It's not New Year's Eve. Right. It's not January 1st. It's now. All the seeds you plant out, the harvest, the growth happens in January, February. You don't start then. So you speak in my language, and right. I know you don't I- want to start. You don't want to start way behind the eight ball either. Nah, you nah. know, and 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 for those truly out there that do compete during this time with others so for instance as i've talked to college football players i say man there's two times during this during the year that you can separate from people and that's the summertime you know four weeks off of discretionary time when some people shut it down and then it's bowl practice time and it's that time where everyone's feeling sore it's the end of the season hey this bowl game doesn't matter um you know there's parties because the uh, semester just ended all that being said if you want to separate double down during this time and then you can really pass everyone up because when everyone's going really fast and everyone's in it it's hard to truly separate when people shut it down take off bottom line audience right when everyone's is taking their foot off the gas right now we suggest you put your foot all the way to the floor separation season very simple this was awesome brother so excited about all things with you i could do this all day straight up so much love and respect for you. I just want to say you're the definition of resilience, grit, heart, and drive. You're making the world a better place by giving back to the community and inspiring others. Your mindset is absolutely bulletproof and your faith is on a whole other level. 
You're an unbelievable husband and father to your children and a role model and beacon of hope for anyone coming up today with big goals and aspirations. I could personally guarantee your best is yet to come. So much love, admiration, respect for you, brother. Thank you for stopping by and spreading your wings and just keep dropping those gems. The world is listening. I'm listening. And you're making the world a better place, brother. Straight up. My man, I truly appreciate those words. I feel the same about you. Keep doing your thing. Keep making an impact. You're fun to watch. Your positivity, your joy, your intensity, and as you said, your <laughs> fire. I don't have the. I don't have the New York. Even though I lived in New York for a while, that that the in Buffalo, people don't talk like they do over in Manhattan. But I love you, man. It's been a joy spending time with you. It always is. Love you too, buddy. I'll see you next week. Absolutely. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow me on Instagram at Craig Siegel underscore CLS, the YouTube channel Craig Siegel, and our website CultivateLastingSymphony.com where you can sign up for our email blast with all free trainings on all of our content. The best is yet to come.